Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle Podcast. I am John Schmalk. We're getting ready for the start of the Giants season. A fun podcast coming your way today. My one-on-one with Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay, which is about the season, him. It's not necessarily a game preview. Make sure you check it out. That'll be first up. Then we're going to have our Titans preview. It's a long one. Lance and Paul went almost 25, 27 minutes with uh, Mike Keith, who is the Titans play-by-play man. And then Bob Pop is sit down with Giants head coach Brian Dable, which you will only hear here and on the radio pregame show on Sunday. So make sure you check that out. Bob Pop exclusive with head coach Brian Dable. But first, a reminder, you can find the Giants Little Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, Giants.com slash podcast, and of course on the Giants mobile app. And don't forget to check out our other podcast offerings while you're there. Big Blue Kickoff Live is on its own podcast feed, but you can find it on those giant platforms. And draft season is back. If you love college football, you like the NFL draft, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker, and I were back only once a month in the beginning part of the season. Maybe we'll, you know, Bring the frequency up as we move ahead here, but go check that out again. Draft season, also its own podcast feed, but you can, you can find it on the Giants mobile app and Giants.com slash podcast. Also, another programming note, this is an important one, so make sure you don't fast forward past this one, guys. Uh, we don't like to usually launch two podcasts on the same day because of various production reasons we had to. So if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you go back, you listen to the coordinators, I had a chance to interview all three Giants coordinators. I sat down with them in our studio for 10 minutes or so with each guy, so it's not super long, but it's a really good conversation. I made sure I asked these guys questions. They have not been asked at the podium before. It's more big-picture philosophical stuff, great stuff to kind of understand what these guys are about, how they're thinking, and how they're going to approach their jobs this year. I learned a lot from Thomas McGahee about special teams. Uh, Wink Martindale was great talking about the type of players that he wants. Um, on his defense and, and how he thinks about certain positions. And then Mike Kafka talked a lot about the offense and, and kind of his philosophical approach, and, and we got into some of the, the talent on the roster and how that's going to you know blend into the type of offense that him and Brian Dable are going to run. And we got a lot into how they game plan each week, too, which I thought was interesting, and how he works together with Daniel Jones and Brian Dable in game planning. So again, make sure you go to the podcast previous to this one. I don't usually tell you things are a must-listen. This is a must-listen, folks. Go check it out. The coordinators right here on the Giants Huddle podcast. So let's get to it. This is our podcast again uh, in the cleanup spot. And the last spot will be Bob Papa and Giants head coach Brian Dable. Mike Keith, Titans play-by-play guy with Tatino and Meadow. That's a long one. It's in the middle. But let's lead off with my interview with Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Kenny, man, good to see you. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing great. So you've been through this a lot, but do you still get the adrenaline, the emotions set into the first regular season game? Uh, definitely. You know, um, first game, no more, no matter where you're at, it's gonna always pretty much be like a packed house. Um, it's nothing like running out that tunnel. You know, first game of the season. So how you feeling physically and mentally, emotionally heading into this game after a long spring and summer of work? I feel great. Um, I feel like I'm physically and mentally prepared. I'm excited to get it going. You know, you talk physically. You've had to fight through injuries for the last couple of years. But this year, I mean, I can't really remember maybe more than one practice. You didn't do everything out there this summer. You've been out there. Is this as good as you've physically felt heading into a season for a while? Uh, Definitely. Um, You know, I fought hard as I could to be out there last year for the first game. You know, still really wasn't 100%. Um, this year, I definitely feel, you know, 100%. Um, like I said, man, I can't say it. You know, enough. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, body-wise, I feel good. How important was it for you to be out there to build that chemistry in a new offense with Brian Dable and Daniel Jones so you can hit the ground running in week one? Very important, man. Um, like you said, getting that chemistry with DJ, also getting the chemistry with the other wideouts, getting the chemistry with how Dayball wants it, how my receiver coach wants it. Um, that's huge. And for me to be out there, you know, every practice, that was great. And, you know, the players and coaches have talked about it. This isn't a run-the-pattern-on-the-sheet-of-paper type of offense. So is getting that feel with your other wide receivers and with Daniel even more important in this game? Definitely. Um, you know, like you said, it's not running the lines on the paper. It's, it's more so, you know, I would like to say receiver-friendly. But if you're not out there on that practice field, you know, DJ won't have a good feel of what you actually are trying to run. So once you go out there each and every day with him, he, he knows exactly what you're doing. Did you get enough good work in in practice and in games where you think you and DJ are going to be of one mind here where he's going to know what you're going to do depending on what type of coverage a defense is going to show on a given play? Definitely, but, you know, this season is very long and there's definitely going to be some bumps in the roads. Um, just, just going against different defenses, they're going to throw different looks at you. You know, we might get caught once or twice, but, you know, we'll, we'll also be able to capitalize. You know, and given the way you play, right, you're so big, you're so long, you're strong. You know, this offense, does it play to your strengths a little bit? Because you don't need a ton of room to be open. So if you can use those angles, be on the same page with Daniel, work against leverage properly, does that just increase your ability to be effective given the freedom that they're giving you to adjust to the coverage? Uh, Definitely. And I'll, I'll also like to say, you know, just being a, a big body for DJ, you know, almost like a security blanket, I would say, just – you know, hey, I know that guy make the play. That's 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 all I want. You know, for the offense and for DJ. You know, some some somebody who can just trust me to know I'll make the play. Do you say that to him? Where look, if you don't see anyone, and I just have one guy on me, dude, just throw it to me. Let me make a play. No, nah, uh, I, I don't say that. Re- reason reason being, um, I'm just I'm just not that type of guy that's gonna you know go to the quarterback and say throw it to me. Um, you got to earn that. You know, you earn that on the field and. Um, I like to just lead by example, and, you know, if we're out there repping it, you know, over and over and over, you know, he'll, he'll get, you know, a sense to inf- and feel that, like, oh, okay, I, I believe that KG would be right there where I need him to be. Um, so that's that's really how much I'll go about it. You mentioned the wide receiver room getting chemistry with them. You guys got shipped back about halfway through training camp. What do you see when you look at this group? Do you think it's a nice combination of, of various skill sets to really get the most out of this offense? Definitely. Um, I mean, you can even throw Saquon in there. You know, yeah. Breida. It's it's a, it's a lot of weapons on this on this um, offense. You don't know who can really get the ball. You know, um, 
I guess luckily for opposing teams, it's only one ball. But at the same time, um, getting Shep back, getting KT back, you know, me and Wandell, you know, out there pretty much, you know, Saquon's out there, Breeders out there, or tight ends out there, you know, it's Seals. Don't, don't, don't let me forget Seals. Um, man, we can we can really be special, I think, as far as just making plays. You know, like I said, you don't know who, who can get the ball, but I think the coaches and each other, we have the most, you know, belief in each other. Does having like a basketball team, group of wide receivers, I say basketball fan, you you got the little quick guys, you got the big guys, and you have like the guys that are like the wings that can do a little bit of everything. Does it help to have that those different types of guys that win in different ways to, to make an offense more dangerous? Uh definitely. Um, you know, you have, you know, shot plays, underneath plays, you know, possession plays, or just you know, I said shot plays, but you know, just explosive plays. It don't have to be, you know, a seventy yard bomb every time, but I mean explosive play, you know, twenty yard catch over the middle is still, you know, an explosive play. So, um and I feel like all 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 of us can do that. You know, um so I think that's what's gonna make it hard for defenses. We all know how important explosive plays are to scoring in the modern NFL, Kenny. What is it about the scheme and the system Dable and Kafka have put together combined with your guys' skill sets that you think this group can be a group that can put consistent explosive plays on the field week in, week out? Um, well, one thing, you know, with Kafka and Dabes, um, you know, they're not afraid to call those type of plays, you know, and that's what a receiver, you know, quarterback like, um, being not afraid to call those plays, having all the belief in us that we'll go, out, go down and make those plays, come down with those 50-50 balls, um, making one guy missing, you know, taking it 40-plus yards. Um, you know, you have a coach, coaches that believe in you, you know, this is perfect. Two more questions. One, you play against this Giants defensive back group every day in practice. What should fans be prepared for how what they're going to bring to the field and how they're going to give trouble to opposing wide receivers based on what you've seen in practice? Um, Are you just talking about, like, DB, DB-wise? Yeah, Adoree, Aaron, Darnay, those guys. Um, Just scrappy guys. Scrappy guys. Um, They can all run, cover well. Um, I feel like it's just going to people – there are going to be people who just – by you all the time, just, you know, being a pest, just nagging the entire time throughout the route. Um, like I said, they can run, so that helps. All right, let's talk about the opponent specifically. When you watch the Titans, their, the ability of their corners and the scheme that they run, what are some of the challenges they're going to bring to the football field for your group on Sunday afternoon? Um, well, those, those guys, you know, they've been, they've been doing the right thing, you know, as a defense-wise, they've been doing the right thing for a few years now. Sure. I want to say they've been in playoffs a few times, AFC Championship game. Um... So it's going to be a, definitely a, a tough, um, a tough defense. But at the end of the day, um, it's just ball. You know, they they still have to worry about us. You know, of course we're going to be worried about them. It all, it's all going to come down to execute. Are you expecting a lot of man to man? A lot like you've seen, frankly, in camp over the past month and a half. Uh, to be honest, man, you you never know. You know, um, with the first game, each each team is still trying to you know find its identity a little bit. Um, so I'm pretty much ready for whatever. Cool. And let's wrap here. Uh, do you start sort of a new year? Every new year is a new beginning. But do you want to view this as almost like a new beginning for you in New York? Because you mentioned last year you're fighting through injuries. You tried to get back on the field. Do you see this could be almost be like a fresh start for you after a, a couple years dealing with injuries? To be honest, this is a fresh start for everybody in the building. Absolutely. Co- Coaches-wise, fresh start for them at a new place. Um, even though, you know, it's going to be my second year here, you know, with the organization. But, you know, still getting adjusted to the coaches. And that's all, you know, that's all that matters. Um, you know, as long as you gain that trust of the coaches, like I said. So, I would say it's a fresh start for everyone. Kenny, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Best luck against Tennessee. Appreciate you, man. 
That's Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. And just to remind fans, the season's right around the corner, and Giants season tickets are on sale for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. Lock in your seat. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, let's turn it over to Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino, and they had a chance to talk to Titans play-by-play man Mike Keith. Giants open the regular season Sunday afternoon in Nashville against the defending AFC South champion Titans at Nissan Stadium. And to help set the stage for this game, we are now joined by the Titans radio play-by-play announcer, Mike Keith. Mike, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything is really good from the standpoint that we're about ready to, to do this thing. I think for all of us, when you get to the point that you're within hours of kickoff instead of just days away, uh, you can see it and, and everybody here, like you know, the other 31 NFL cities, are, are very excited. Absolutely, and we certainly echo your sentiments. And normally, Mike, I would start the conversation off with the offensive side of the ball, but it's fair to say the biggest storyline coming out of Tennessee right now is the defense given the loss of one of their best defensive playmakers, Harold Landry, for the season because of a torn ACL he suffered in practice, and they just rewarded him this offseason with a contract extension. So two-part question here. How does this change the dynamics of the pass rush in your mind, and who is first up to step in for the injured Harold Landry? The thing that you need to understand first and foremost is Harold is one of the five best football players on this team. And his dynamic within the Titans in terms of how he plays is exactly what they want to look like, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. Harold Landry in the last three seasons has played over 90% of the snaps. He rushes the passer, yes, but he also really plays outstanding run defense. He's the guy that if someone catches a screen pass and goes for 15 yards, he runs them down. He actually plays in pass coverage. They will drop him in coverage in certain instances so they can blitz from another angle to fool the defense. You can't replace it. There's just nobody going to be on the market that gives them the ability to replace what Harold Landry does. So I think both of the answers to your question tie into or your questions, I should say, tie into one thing, and that is it's probably going to take a lot of people to make this happen. They have Rashad Weaver, a second-year pass rusher from Pitt, who had an outstanding preseason. He is coming off injury. They have Ola Adaini, who is the special teams captain, who also rushes the passer well, but he is not as big a guy. They have a guy that they just picked up from the Pittsburgh Steelers off waivers, a motor-type player, Derek Tuska, and he fits this system in terms of style of play. And then they have several defensive linemen who can rotate through at that spot. They can swing outside and can do some different things in different ways. And and I think, Lance, it's going to take some of all of them to make it happen. But when we heard the news that this had happened at practice and, you know, he walked off the practice field, it was one of those you're saying, well, maybe it's not so bad. You know, maybe it's just a, maybe he just, you know, pulled a muscle or it's something minor. And when we got the news, everybody here was just crestfallen for the fact that Harold is so admired, much like Derrick Henry is, much like Kevin Byard is, much like Jeff Simmons is, 
you know, Ryan Tannehill, those guys who mean so much to the overall football team for the stature that they have in terms of how they, they play the game. Long answer to your questions, but it's a blow. Well, Mike, how much of the burden kind of falls on the shoulders of Bud Dupree? I mean, he's now two years removed from the ACL. I know he missed half the time last year, then came back, and clearly he wasn't himself. Uh, Will they try to move him around a lot, or is he just going to keep coming from one side? And and what are they asking from him? I think, honestly, whatever they were going to do with Bud is what they're still going to do. I think they're just going to ask him to fill the role that he was already set to fill. Now, production-wise, yes, you need the numbers. You know, you're looking to replace 12 sacks. Dupree's situation was interesting because he signs the big contract, comes here after the ACL, and he wanted to play right away. And guess what? He made a mistake. And so – He played early in the season. He just had no snap in that knee. You know, he just didn't feel like everything was firing. He went back, sat out, did more rehab. And then all of the sudden, when we got to December, the guy they signed for all that money was here. So my expectation is that Bud Dupree is going to continue that in that same way and play the way he does. He's not Landry. But he's a different sort of talent. He's a bigger player. You know, he's obviously a a fierce pass rusher with a lot of different moves. He has really good size. But I I don't think they will say, okay, we're going to do something philosophical with him any differently. I think they're just saying, hey, Bud, go be the best Bud Dupree you can be. We'd love to have double-digit sacks from you this year. And we're not going to ask you to do things that would take you out of your element. Well, Mike, to your point, certainly feasible that he can get double-digit sacks based on what he did in Pittsburgh. But interestingly, Tennessee was the only team last season with three players to record eight or more sacks. And the reason I'm bringing that statistic up, Mike, is the fact that it came a long way, the pass rush, because remember, they had 19 two years ago. All of a sudden, they jumped to 43. I'm not trying to take anything away from Landry, but – Danico Autry had a very solid season who came over from the Colts. I guess what I'm saying is how much is this pass rush more piecemeal, meaning multiple components as opposed to them necessarily leaning on one guy in particular, even though Landry did have 12 last year. That's exactly what it is. I mean, you said it, you know, they had nine in the playoff game against Cincinnati. Yeah. And it it was crazy. I, I mean, they had two more that were taken away because the whistle blew uh, when an offensive lineman jumped off sides or there was a timeout and actual plays were run. I mean, guys were trying to block them and couldn't block it. So realistically, they had 11. It was crazy. And it came from everywhere. Uh, Jeff Simmons is the, is the first guy to watch. Jeffrey Simmons, who we refer to down here as Big Jeff, is the guy who makes it all go. Uh, and he has taken a major step in every year in his career. If he does that again this year, he becomes a superstar. I think he becomes one of those guys you start to talk about in an Aaron Donald class. And I don't say that lightly. I, I hate comparisons and I hate throwing out, you know, sort of platitudes for no reason. But this guy is a great football player. Danico Autry. Uh, master of a lot of different things. 
a guy who came up the hard way, was an undrafted player, a guy when he was in Oakland, we couldn't block, a guy who he was in Indianapolis, we couldn't block. So we signed him. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if we had never played him, even if we just said, hey, you just sit on the sidelines, it would have been money well spent because he <laughs> tortured us. Well, then he comes in here and does the same thing for us. To me, he is a huge key component in all of this. And then you have Zach Cunningham, who I think is sort of the untalked about factor. The Titans got him late in the year off waivers when Houston decided they didn't want one of the best linebackers in football. And he is a guy who has pass rush ability. Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker, the safeties, are both good blitzers. So it can come from a lot of different places with this scheme. The reason they got so much better last year is they improved the talent. He just said, John Robinson said at the end of 2020, he said, you know, we're just not good enough on defense. It's not scheme. It's not coaching. It's we got to get some better players. And they went out and did. And then guys who had already been here fed off that addition of the talent and the scheme and everything they wanted to do sort of kicked into gear. Mike, let me go to the secondary because it seems to me there, there are two kind of questionable or unproven things that, that need to be addressed. First of all, Caleb Farley coming off of the, the ACL last year appears from what I've read to perhaps have lost his starting job on the corner to Roger McCreary, who we know at Auburn was a really good press corner, and that's the reason they drafted him in the second round. And then Nickelback uh, Elijah uh, 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 Molden. Uh, I'm reading that he's on the injury report with a groin. Now, if those two guys can't play up to par in the secondary, that might be an area the Giants want to attack. Certainly. Uh, I mean, you're, you, we've got some some questions and some youth there. Uh, listen, McCrary's going to play, and 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 Farley's going to play too. You're you're going to see both of those guys. The Titans traded for Ugo Amadi, uh, who had played the nickel in Seattle. And if Molden can't go, I'd say Ugo will have some kind of role and kind of exciting for, for him. He's a Nashville native, so he's very excited to be back. And then they have a couple of other young guys that they've been teaching various positions in the secondary, trying to, to give them some versatility. But listen, Molden did a nice job for this team last year, really did a super job, uh, as a, especially as a rookie in the nickel role. Um, I, I think you could see guys line up in all different sorts of places as they try to figure out the best combination. But sure, I mean, it's something we will be watching in this ball game, like I'm sure the Giants will. We're talking with Mike Keith, Titans radio play-by-play announcers are getting you set for the week one matchup for the Giants in Tennessee. Mike, as we transition to other facets of this Titans team, I want to focus on the coordinators. And the reason I bring that up is while Tennessee has continuity, staff is still in place. The Giants are a bit of a wild card this season. Brand new coaching staff, new schemes, a lot of new players. So if you're Tennessee, you're watching, I'm sure, Buffalo and Kansas City film based on Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's connections. But if you're the offense, you're probably focusing on Baltimore with Wink Martindale. And interestingly, Mike, the Titans played the Ravens twice in 2020 in the regular season in the playoffs, two completely different outcomes. But I guess what I'm getting at is how advantageous do you think it will be for the Tennessee offense that Ryan Tannehill and company have been exposed to Wink's Baltimore scheme? 
Well, if you'd seen what he did to us the last time we played him, you'd probably say not much. He worked <laughs> us over uh, in a playoff game. We played him three times in less than a year. Uh, we played him in the AFC Divisional Round in January 2020, a regular season game that we won in overtime at Baltimore, yep. and then the the playoff game where Baltimore came to Nashville and won 20-13 and really shut the Titans down. Yeah, we know Wink Martindale, and we know what's coming. Wink Martindale would blitz his own mother. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> just, and he may have, for all I know. Um, he's coming, you know, and but but you don't know where he's coming from, right? And you don't know who he will utilize in some of those packages. And the way that he is able to sort of um, disguise the, the various looks and the fact that the Titans are going to have two new starters on the offensive line, the tight end core is relatively new to here. Two of the three guys who will play are new. The receivers are kind of new. And so they're going to have to make adjustments. I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous challenge. Would it be better for the Titans if they were playing some team that just laid back and played zone, you know, played Tampa two of some sort and didn't try to bring pressure? Yeah, that would be better. Because Wink Martindale is going to come with pressure, pressure, pressure. He's going to try to make big plays. He wants to get off the field. He wants to turn the football over. He wants to force you into bad plays that change field position. In, in those setups, you do have some opportunities for big plays. But what Wink Martindale knows is his chances of having a big play on defense are better than your chances of making a big play against him. And I thought when they hired him, when, when they went in that direction, I thought that is so smart of everybody associated with the Giants because, you know, whatever happened in Baltimore, time was up, I guess, but he's a really, really good football coach. And I know in watching the preparation for Wink Martindale teams over the years and this week, it's so much about having to be precise and having to be on point with everything. And you guys know this. A lot of times in week one, you're not. So it's a it's a really, really tough draw for anybody. Well, despite the challenge for Ryan Tannehill, Mike, I'm reading quotes about him that it still burns in his gut about the, the last moments <laughs> of that pick against Cincinnati that led to the winning field goal that sent the Bengals into the next round of the playoffs. I mean, if I'm to believe the quotes, Tannehill is loaded for bear. What kind of camp has he had? And, and do you think that, uh, the team has lost any level of confidence in him after what happened in that postseason. I do not think they've lost any level of confidence in him at all. And I think what, what I've seen from Tannehill is an intensity from July 22nd on. He walked back in. and You, you know, a lot of veterans come in. You're 34 years old. And how are you approaching camp? You're going to ramp up. You're going to take your time. There's nothing wrong with that because – because as an old vet, what do you know? You know it's a long season, right? You know you, know you don't get fired up for, for every single moment of everything. Well, guess what? Tannehill has chosen this year his 11th in the league. 34-year-old quarterback has come in here with his hair on fire every day. And his practice has been crisper. Uh, his overall work with his teammates has been outstanding. He hasn't missed any days. 
A key for Ryan in all of this, too, is his receivers have not missed days. Uh, You know, okay, maybe they've taken a day off here and there. But my point being, they have been here every single day working. And when he doesn't like it, he tells them. When somebody does something he doesn't like, he has something to say about it. I think he gets the intensity of where he is in his career. And and here's here's what the fire burning has to do with, guys. It has to do with the fact that the Tennessee Titans missed a golden opportunity last year, a golden opportunity, two wins at home. And you go to the Super Bowl to play a team that you absolutely bludgeoned on Sunday night football in November. And you're healthy. Everything was going the Titans way. The crowd was unbelievable. It it was an incredible, incredible day overall. And yet they, you know, laid an egg in key moments. And, and missed an opportunity. So I think the fire is burning for everybody, but the intensity from Tannehill has more to do with the moment where he is in his life and is, and is in his career than a loss of confidence in himself or loss of confidence with the team. He saw how close they were and that they didn't get that done, and he wants to get that final step because, like every player in the NFL, he wants to win a Super Bowl. Mike, you brought up the receiving core. We know so much of what Tennessee does obviously operates around the rushing attack with Derrick Henry, but there were a lot of changes to the receiving core this offseason. <laughs> Five of the Titans' top six players in receiving yards are actually no longer on the team from last season, and clearly A.J. Brown the most notable. So I think going into week one, a lot of people are wondering, well, what is this passing attack going to look like and who could be the big heavy lifters, specifically Traylon Burks, the rookie. So how do you see this group and where they may lean on specific personnel? They made the trade for Robert Woods in March, which I, I thought was a very smart trade at the time because they acquired a veteran receiver. And if you need him to be the one, fine. If it's the two, if it's the three, he doesn't care. He gets a pro and just goes about his business the right way all the time. And it appeared as though he was going to be the perfect complement to A.J. Brown. Well, then, obviously, what happened, happened. So you, you've got Robert Woods, who's taken a bigger leadership role than I think anybody thought he would need to. Nick Westbrook-Akine has come back in year three, and he's had an excellent camp. And then you found a slot receiver in Kyle Phillips in the fifth round of the draft. And then you draft Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon has really come on strong over the last three weeks. He had a very good camp overall. He had a lull in the middle. You know, he had that, he had that rookie lull where I don't know if he was tired or he just didn't have the concentration, but he had a couple days in practice where he didn't play very well. And the head coach and the general manager really challenged him and he has bounced back nicely. Uh, So between that group and then the improvement at tight end, remember the Titans were a, a tight end team. Yep that did things very well in 2020. Tight ends weren't very good last year, and that hurt Tannehill. Well, so they bring Jeff Swain back, and that was a good thing. And then they go out and get Austin Hooper, and Austin Hooper's a guy who fits in totally with Tannehill. And then they drafted Chigga Conquo, who was the fastest tight end in last year's draft. So the reason I bring that up is I think some of the receiving loss will be made up for in tight end production. I also think, you know, Dontrell Hilliard is a back who can catch the football too and has great speed, and they may find some ways to use him as well. So this may be 
back to what has been a more traditional Titans attack where it's less about stars and more about the group. But hey, to the point, we got to see it, right? You know, that's sure. that's where we're at at this moment in time is you have to be able to see it happen. Mike, we're working with the inverted pyramid here, which is why Derrick Henry becomes one of the last items that we're going to ask you about. <laughs> I was waiting on you. Uh, after missing nine games with that foot injury last year we know he came back and ran for over 60 yards against uh, Cincinnati what kind of camp has he had do you expect him to be a bell cow right out of the gate and carry the ball at least 25 times against the Giants yes (laughs) I do Um, you know what was really interesting about Derek is Derek came back and he practiced for three weeks before the first game in the playoffs when we played Cincinnati. And, you know, he even said, he goes, I haven't been hit in three months. I haven't gone through all of this stuff. He goes, I've sort of got, I've got to get ready to go. And we thought, you know, if we get through the Cincinnati game, he'll be sharper against Kansas City. And then if you get through Kansas City, he'll be really sharp for the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, that obviously didn't happen. And that burned him, too. It burned Derrick Henry that he did all this work to come back and his guys had held it together and gone six and three without him. And then they come back and, he, you know, like Tannehill, he didn't have a very good day. Um, so he has been motivated. And the nice part of this for Derek is he didn't spend the off season rehabbing. He was already rehabbed. So he went back to that crazy Derek Henry work. And I'm sure you guys have seen some of his workout videos there. They look like, you know, the rock or something. It's crazy. <laughs> and he has been so productive in camp. Uh, they basically put him in bubble wrap for six weeks and didn't, you know, didn't let him take any shots. And this team really manages him very well. And so now they've been able to, to sort of see over the last couple of weeks, him doing more things geared toward game plan, geared toward getting ready for the regular season. And yes, I, I think he's getting the football. I think there's, I think there's no doubt about it is you're going to get him in and try to get him into the mix. The guy he helps the most is Tannehill. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Tannehill's quarterback rating with Derrick Henry on the field is slightly over 100. Without Derrick Henry, it's 85.5. And what that has to do with, in my opinion, is, is how that works play action. Because if you don't respect Derrick Henry, you got a problem as a defense. And I'm sure – you know, in listening to what Wink Martindale said, I'm, I'm absolutely certain they will respect it. Especially when Wink Martindale referred to Derrick Henry as Jim Brown. Something tells me, Mike, you're spot on that they'll be paying slightly close attention to the main running back for Tennessee. Mike, last one for me, you alluded to changes on the offensive line, and clearly that goes hand in hand with the rushing attack. Aaron Brewer at left guard, who was on the roster, but now takes over a more prominent role. And then the rookie at right tackle, Nicholas Petty Ferrer, who comes out of Ohio State. How do those changes you think at all impact the ability for them specifically to lean on the rushing attack this season? I think we're all waiting to see. Uh, Brewer is not nearly as big as Roger Saffold. And make no mistake about it, the Titans would have loved to have had Roger Saffold back. That was a money thing. You know, you have to make some decisions based on money, and that's what happened. Uh, Saffold is 330 pounds. Brewer does not weigh 300 pounds, but Brewer will fight you. It's the reason this staff has had confidence 
since he was an undrafted out of Texas State two and a half years ago, and he rolled into this building. And I mean, he'll scrap. He'll get after you. Uh, when in doubt, knock the crap out of somebody. You know, if he if he blocks the wrong man, fine. But he's gonna he's gonna take a shot at somebody. He is a tough guy, and they're excited about having his athleticism and his toughness. He he's also, and they lined him up his rookie year summit fullback. He's really fast, like probably in the four eights, and he can do a backflip. So that tells you. I mean, it, his athleticism is nuts. Um, but you know, he's still got to just line up and block people. Uh, Petit Freer is going to be a star. Will he be a star right out of the gate? You know, it's probably the same question you have there about Evan Neal. Sure. You know, you just, how, how does it factor right out of the gate? Don't know. Uh, haven't seen him in those sort of situations, but he won this job by the fact that he continued improving all the way through. And I compare it to 2019 when they stuck right guard Nate Davis in the lineup in week four in Atlanta, and he wasn't very good. But what they said is he's the best guy we got, and he's going to be an excellent player. We got to play. And I think with Petit Freer, that's the thing that they've come up to is they've said, hey, he's the best guy we've got. He's a talent. We're going to win with him in time. We've got to get him in there because the only way he's going to learn is to play. Uh, but he, you know, he is a wide body at 325 pounds. He's that road grader type that you like at the right tackle spot. Really, really bright young man. Um, good stuff on the horizon for him. You know, I, I thought, you know, they targeted him too. They made the trade with the Jets, did the Titans for the 27th pick. And with the three picks that they got from the Jets, they ended up with Roger McCrary, Nicholas Petit Frere. And Kyle Phillips, and there's a chance all three of those guys start on Sunday against the Giants. Yeah, I'd That's... say that deal turned out pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It worked. <laughs> well, last question from me, Mike, and I got to go to special teams because during the preseason, and I know it doesn't necessarily mean a hill of beans, but the Giants had a very difficult time covering kicks. And I've read that that Kyle Phillips, the rookie that you just mentioned out of UCLA. Uh, may wind up being at least the punt returner at, at the very least. His career with the Bruins is very, very explosive and dangerous. I looked at the numbers, yeah. 26 punt returns, 19-yard average, and two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of concerned right now, if I'm the Giants special teams unit, that this guy could do damage. Yeah, he's pretty good. He really is. And, you know, he was a four-star coming out of high school in California. Uh, when when we met him, I mean, he's not a big, bulky – I mean, he's an athletic-looking guy. He's a, he's a guy who looks like he's in shape. I mean, if you saw him at the gym, you'd think, okay, this, you know, he's he works out. But he he doesn't have the same look as other people in terms of – like, you see Traylon Burks, you're like, man, that's a dude. That, that's not what Phillips does, but Phillips has some wiggle. It's a, it's a natural thing. It's an athletic thing. And he, he has some innate gifts, but he's got some, some real athleticism that makes him a good slot and that makes him a good returner. What's he going to look like the first time on an opening weekend, though? And, and that's the thing for the Titans. They may play more rookies in this game than they have ever played in the history of this incarnation of the franchise. 
If they play 10 rookies and they have 11 on the roster, that will be the most they've ever played since this team moved from Houston and became the Titans. How are they going to do? Is he going to catch the first punt? <laughs> you, know, is he gonna, you know, with rookies, they, they've got a rookie punter in Stonehouse. He's phenomenal out here on the practice field. He also dropped a snap in the preseason. Um, what was it Bill Parcells used to say? Rookies get you beat or something to that effect? I'm probably taking liberties. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, the, but the point is, you know, that's a lot of what we're going to see um, in some key situations for the Titans. And uh, while they love this rookie class and they're excited about them, um, how do they perform in week one? I think that's the question everybody has. Certainly a lot of question marks on both sides of this equation as the Giants and the Titans kick off the 2022 regular season. Week one matchup in Nashville at Nissan Stadium, a 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff. He is Mike Keith, the Titans radio play-by-play announcer. Mike, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight and looking forward to Sunday's game. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks, Mike. Guys, great, great, uh, great to visit with you. Look forward to week one for everybody. That's Titans play-by-play voice Mike Keith. We thank him for joining us along with Lance and Paul for conducting that interview. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 22 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, let's wrap it up with the big man, Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, heading into his first-ever regular season game. Bob Papa had a chance to sit down with him here in our podcast studio. Only place you can hear this interview, folks, is right here or on our radio pregame show on Sunday. So, Without further ado, Bob Papa and Giants head coach Brian Dable. Coach, so much excitement about today's game, kicking off the season. You've gone through a lot of work, obviously, getting the job back in January and then trying to build this roster. It's evolving as we move forward, but uh, just talk about your team's preparedness as you step into this game against a very tough foe today in the Tennessee Titans. I think our coaches have done a really good job of preparing the players with the weekly game plans uh, and the kicking game on defense and on offense. And I think the players have had a good week of practice, um, you know, learning from the corrections, practicing fast, playing with good fundamentals. Um, I know we're excited to, uh, to get out here and get going here. All right, listen, um, the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. Uh, Mike Vrabel has done a wonderful job with this football team, and and one of the things that they do is um, they run the football. It's no big secret with Derrick Henry. What makes this ground attack so difficult to defend? Well, first, let's start with the player in in Derrick Henry. He's a you know one of the best players in the league. Um, he's a dynamic runner. He's big. He's strong. He's quick. He's fast. He's got good vision. Uh, they utilize different runs. I'd say they're they're more of an outside zone running team. I think their line, their receivers, are all tied in of of how to block that play. Um, and it's not they don't do it all the time. They have some other things that they run. But uh, we're going to have to do a really good job up front um, at the line of scrimmage, and then really getting eleven hats to the ball. When you go to the other side of the ball, obviously with Saquon Barkley back and healthy. He's an ace himself. Tennessee, last season, they were second in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. Only Baltimore was better. Uh, when you look at that front and you try to attack them, what are some of the things that just jump out 
on the tape for you that are like, man, they're good at this? Yeah, well, I mean, first, they're just good players, you know. Start with Simmons inside there and, you know, Dupree, and then inside backers with Long and Cunningham, Autry. Uh, they have they have good players. The, the two safeties, I think, are one of the best tandems in the league, and Byard and Hooker. Um, and they play with really good – it starts with technique and fundamentals, and they play with their hands. They, they get off blocks. They have good force patterns, um, and they're good tacklers. They're, like, one of the best tackling teams, if not the best tackling team, uh, statistic-wise, in the league. So it's a big challenge. It's a physical team, uh, whether it's in a kicking game, you know, running the football and stopping the run. Uh, those are some things they've really done well and excelled at since Coach Rabel's been there. You mentioned Kevin Byard, uh, first-team All-Pro last year. He had five interceptions. Since 2017, he's third in the NFL in takeaways. He's got 26 of them. So he's got a knack for the football. Do they move him around a lot, Coach, or is it more just – his instincts that lead him to where he needs to be. Yeah, really an instinctive player. Does a great job with the disguise. Reads the quarterback well. Does a great job when he comes in to, to make tackles. And when other guys are tackling, does a great job of getting the ball out. Just a, just a very hedgy, smart football player. Coach, one of the areas that the Giants have really struggled in, obviously it's not on your resume because you weren't here, but red zone has been a big problem for this team scoring points. Um, as you've been able to work through th some things and, and get some of your pieces back on the field, what are some of the keys to being more proficient in the red zone? Right, well, it starts with getting the play call in quick to the quarterback uh, so he can have enough time to evaluate what he needs to evaluate. And then, you know, you've got to be very, very detailed down there. There's, there's shorter space. Uh, there's less room to operate. You know, the windows are very tight. Have to make some contested catches. You know the force patterns are there quicker in the running game, so it's a it's a challenge um, down there in the red zone. And this is a, a another area where I'd say Tennessee really excels on both sides of the ball. Daniel Jones obviously uh, picking up this new system, getting an opportunity to work with all these new pieces and 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 new coaching. Just talk about the way he sort of picked things up and when you talk about that decision-making, how you've seen progression in his game. Yeah, I think he's improved since, since we got here in the spring. Uh, I think he's done a good job in practices, and he's done a good job when he's had the opportunity to play in these preseason games. Now we have you know, full games here to play uh, against really tough opponents, and you know, we'll see when we get out there you know, how things work. We're, we're always trying to evolve and do what we think is best for our quarterback and then mix in the skill players that we have and the type of runnings we use for the offensive line. So, you know, we've worked really hard in the training camp and these preseason games to, to kind of figure out what we do best. And I'm sure that'll continue throughout the first few weeks of the season, uh, you know, figuring out our football team. And uh, Daniel's an important part of that. Final question, Coach. I mean, there's been so much planning again with you and Joe Shane coming in revamping the football side of operations how excited are you just to get this thing kicked off today and finally kind of see all this hard work come to fruition yeah I'm very excited I think everybody's excited that's been part of this the last call it six months the training staff the strength staff the nutritionists the players the scouts um, you know, that's what we're all here for is these games. And it takes a lot of hard work and effort to, to get to this point. And we've, we've prepared as hard as we can. We've practiced well. And now we have to go out there and, and play and coach 
as good as we can. All right, Coach, I know uh, you're fired up to get out there. Best of luck this afternoon, and thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Bob. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. We thank Bob Papa for chatting with him. Thank you to Lance and Paul with Titans play-by-play man Mike Keith. And thank you to Kenny Galladay as well, who I hope that interview kind of gives fans a little bit of an insight into him. And, you know, I know there's a perception out there of Kenny, and that's really, honestly, the first time I've had a chance to really sit down with him because of the pandemic last year and, and other things. We just haven't had a chance to connect. And... I hope people got a different idea of him because I think there's an idea out there that he's just like diva-ish wide receiver and he doesn't really care. And talking to him, you do not get that sense to me. I mean, it's just the fact that he went out of his way during that conversation to list every player in his position group. And he's like, oh, I can't forget David Sills. Can't forget David Sills. And like it mattered to him. He cares about the team, his teammates. He wants to win. He wants to have a good year. Uh, he's a talented guy. And, and we'll see. But I hope that gave fans a little bit of a different insight. Uh, into Kenny Galladay heading into 2022. I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us on the Giants Little Podcast. And remember, folks, go back to that previous episode, uh, my interview with the three coordinators. Again, that you will only hear here and a couple snippets on the radio pregame on Sunday. So make sure you go and listen to those. They're that good. Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, and Thomas McGahee. Uh, it's the previous podcast on this podcast feed on the Giants Little Podcast. For everybody, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Little Podcast. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.